Chelsea Fairless, and welcome to a very special holiday mini-sode, Ho Ho Ho, where we're going to talk about our favorite holiday film. Well, maybe not favorite, maybe the most important holiday film, It's a Wonderful Life. (laughs) No, it would be The Family Stone. The, when did The Family Stone come out? 2005. It's a, it's a Bush era holiday film. (laughs) Love that. Um, And because we are doing a very special episode, we have a very special guest. She is a fabulous singer, a comedian, and an actor who you may know as Big Boo on Orange is the New Black, our very good friend, Miss Leah Delaria. Oh, I'm so happy that you called me Miss. (laughs) Did you love that? Yeah, I've been called Sir at least four times today, so that's good. That checks out. So we had to invite you because I know that you are obsessed with the Family Stone. Watch it every year. Yeah, both of us do. But Lauren, on the other hand, how many times have you seen Family Stone? So I was waiting till we recorded to tell you this because I was like, oh, I've seen the Family Stone. And then I started to play the film and I was like, oh, I think this is one of the movies I think I've seen because I've seen so many scenes over the year. But this was the first time I watched it like top to bottom. Oh, that's insane. That's crazy. What have you been doing with your life? <laughs> I mean, or, come on. Or with your Decembers you every single... Miracle on 34th Street? I don't know. So to put Family Stone in perspective, of course, this movie stars Sarah Jessica Parker This came out in 2005, and the last season of Sex and the City was 2004, right? Yes, and it had a winter-themed season. So she was like, I gotta match it with a holiday (laughs) film. But I think this is the first movie like I remember seeing her in after Sex and the City, right? Yeah, I think it's there's Failure to Launch maybe came out in the summer, and then this is what she was following up uh, in the wintertime, but she definitely like stacked her film deck after Sex and the City ended. Well, she was a movie star before. SJP was a child star. I mean, she was a person that, that started as a kid in film and television and on Broadway and managed to get past that bugaboo, you know, that... Without being crazy and self-destructive. Exactly. Like, you know, Buffy and... Never mind, Family Affair. That would be my youth. Yeah, I have no idea what the yeah, fuck you're talking no about. you have no clue what I'm talking about. But that was like one of the first child stars that basically offed herself with drugs. Oh, beautiful. You know what? But tonally, this is perfect for the Family Stone <laughs> episode because you think the Family Stone is a movie about like fun holiday hijinks like National Lampoons or something like that. But in actuality, it's about death and depressing it's, it's the opposite of holiday cheer. Yeah, guess what? I was watching it and I was like, oh, I don't like this at all. <laughs> Except for Millie's Famous Brownies. Okay, that's, I still don't know what you're talking about. That is so much a part of Family Stone when Craig T. Nelson comes in and says, Millie's Famous Brownies. Okay. And okay. they're like, they're, I'm assuming they're weed brownies. They're plat brownies. Okay, okay. Because they're eating them and getting, they get really high. Okay, right. We're j- jumping ahead a little bit, okay, but yes, sorry. I forgot what the brownies were called. There's, there's much, there's much, it's a dramedy. There's much comedy in it, but there's also lots of death. 
Yeah, can we start with the opening scene, which that made me realize, oh, I've never actually seen this film because I had no recollection that the film begins with them in a department store. In Barney's, Barney's. specifically. And yeah, I mean, we see Sarah Jessica Parker. Her character's name is Meredith with her boyfriend, Dermot Mulroney. Or Dylan McDermott. Who can really tell the difference? She's like, she's very chic. She's very austere. She's like, you know, a girl boss or something. She has like corporate energy. She's like very uncarry like Yeah, completely, completely different than Carrie. Like corporate energy, very businesslike, not into anything, but, you know, making money and wearing the right shoes. Yeah, they want her to be somehow conservative, but didn't vote for Bush the second time. I think that's where their line is. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that that comes through. So I don't even remember what they do in Barney's. Really, I think they're just setting it up that oh, she's meeting his parents for the first time. They're about to drive upstate. She's a workaholic, et cetera, et cetera. And then it cuts to the title sequence, which I always forget, which does leave something to be desired. <laughs> Do you even remember it, Leah? Oh, tell it's me. Just, it's just I'm a bunch thinking. of like CGI Christmas cards, That's but right. they all look That's old timey. Right. Yeah. But isn't it supposed to be a nod to Meet Me in St. Louis? Well, it would have to be a nod to Meet Me in St. Louis because that's a part of Meet Me in St. Louis, which is, of course, another Christmas classic. Yeah, we should also mention that that Leah D is a big Judy head. (laughs) And they watch Meet Me in St. Louis in The Family Stone. Yes. You know, I'm about to go to bed, but here's my favorite part. So you're telling me that this is basically Sex in the City, the movie, where they also watch Meet Me in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. My, Michael Patrick King was sitting in the theater for Family Stone, and he was like, God damn it. That's what I was going to do. They just stole my idea. I think what Chelsea wants from the opening sequence, because when I was watching it, I was like, oh, I bet Chelsea likes this a little bit, but what you would rather is the uh, original Parent Trap opening. Oh my That's- God, I'm so glad you... I was literally <laughs> thinking the same thing. <laughs> Where they tell you the entire story right. of the movie you're about to see in the cartoon song. In a, in a claymation, in a claymation sequence. It's unbelievable. It is really unbelievable. I have referenced this so many times to so many people. And like Alan Cumming, for example, on a bus when we were in, when we were in Israel. And I was like, Alan, you, you have to watch this. He'd never seen it. And he was like, this is insane. They're telling you the entire movie. Everything that happens in the movie in that credit. Yeah, so, yeah. It's, yeah. It's 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 among the most brilliant opening sequences ever. So they drive upstate or is it like Connecticut? They're going somewhere. To oh, meet they're into Massachusetts. Yeah, they're they're in Massachusetts. Area. They're in that the highly highly educated liberal area of the Triangle of Amherst and uh, Smith and, and, and Smith, all the different very, very liberal art schools that are in that in that vicinity. Yeah, which is perfect because this is a highly educated, very liberal family that we're about to meet, right? They're both professors. So mom is Diane Keaton, who has a character name, but we're just going to call her Diane Keaton because that feels more natural to me. (laughs) Sybil Stone, which I got to tell you, Diane Keaton doesn't strike me as a Sybil with an S. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. I agree. So... Papa Stone, played by that guy from Coach. I don't know his name. Craig T. Nelson. Craig T. Nelson. I cannot believe that you just said that. Craig T. Nelson. I'm sorry, to millennials, he's Coach, and that's just 
That's okay. it. He's been around a very long time, and mm-hmm. I will say this: he was the he was the creep that hit on Meryl Streep in Silkwood. As a matter of fact, oh, I was yeah. going to say he's the Bobo Donald Trump and devil's advocate. Yes, <laughs> that too. So, all of that. All of that. <laughs> he's been around a minute. Also, little known fact: passed on Modern Family. Oh, what role? Was, the dad? Yeah. The oh. original, yeah. Oh, I bet he a, regrets that. I'll be, I'm, I, bet, <laughs> I bet he doesn't want to hear that I just said that on the air. Well, his, his name is Kelly Stone, which I'm going to tell you, I didn't even realize till I just looked at IMDb right now. But his <laughs> name is Kelly. That's one of those really sad male names I find. The screenwriter had some ideas about who these characters were. Yeah. Uh, then we have Rachel McAdams as Amy, who... <laughs> Rocks up in an 80s Volvo with an NPR tote bag. So we know that she's some sort of poor, (laughs) bitter millennial. I love that she has that tote bag because I personally, when I want to make a point in any argument, I always say, I heard it on NPR. It shuts everybody up. You're just gaslighting. And I just say it. I've never heard you listen to NPR. You're just (laughs) gaslighting everyone. Yeah, I just say it just to because everybody will then believe me because I heard it on NPR. Oh, Rachel McAdams' character definitely has that energy. I've got some issues with her, but we'll get into oh, that in a second. Oh, we have some major issues oh, with her. Oh, please, yeah. So then we meet the interracial gay couple, Thad. Thad, is that how it, you say it? It's Thaddeus. It's Thaddeus, so it's Thad. Thad and Patrick. Right. So Thad is Diane Keaton's son. He is also deaf. Patrick is his partner, who is black. All of this information is relevant to the plot. Because it's a two-for-one sale. Let's be clear, though. At the time, in terms of political correctness, it wasn't just enough to be, you know, you needed you needed a little bit more. So basically, they got even more politically correct by having a black gay guy and a deaf gay guy. Well, yes, it's a very it's a very diverse family. Okay, incredibly diverse liberal family in a liberal college community. It's all right there. Yes, it could write itself. And they're looking to adopt a child. Of course, because in 2005, I can assure you, I was there. Every gay male couple wanted to adopt a child. They had their (laughs) finger on the pulse of the queer community at that time. So then we have like Susanna, who's like the most chill character, I guess. The pregnant sister that Mm -hmm. like, you know, doesn't really have a plot line, but she kicks around. Yeah, why is she in this movie? Why is she there? Her plot line in this movie, as I understand it, is just to say, I wish my husband was here. I think that's kind of basically what her whole thing was about, Yeah, is my I, husband coming. As someone that, as I previously mentioned, seemingly just watched this film for the first time, I was like, oh, okay, so the husband, she's going to find out in the third act the ch- husband cheated on her. And it's like, no, he just shows up. No, he just shows up. <laughs> the other reason I think she's there is for the daughter. Yeah. Who ruins Sarah Jessica Parker's shoes. <laughs> of which I course. Think is very important. So Meredith meets the fam. Things go south really quickly because she's doing this throat clearing thing that Rachel McAdams <laughs> hates. It's like a running bit throughout <laughs> the movie. She's talking to Thad like, I don't even know how to explain it. She's like, I met her in New York and I've decided she's terrible. So I'm going to tell you guys she's awful. Look, she's here. Look at her with her harsh low bun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so everyone hates her, basically. Even though, I mean, do you guys fuck with Meredith? Oh, I didn't mind Meredith. I mean, I thought I thought Rachel McAdams' character was way off. You know, especially like in the charades section. That was oh. just nutty. Yeah, and, well, well, we'll get to that. Yeah. That was very traumatic for me as someone that doesn't like to play group games like that. <laughs> just the fact that they were doing it. Also, as someone, I related to Meredith in a way. I unfortunately think that I have Meredith energy. <laughs> 
I mean, here's the thing. I would probably elect to stay at the inn, but <laughs> here's where I'm not like Meredith. Always down to have people stay at my house. I just don't want to stay at other people's houses. Okay, I get that. When does Luke Wilson arrive? Because I have a lot of <laughs> thoughts. Luke Wilson lives there, right? No, Doesn't I his think character he, live there? No, because he's, he's visiting from San Francisco oh, or that's something. Right, that's right. He feels the need to say, I'm from Berkeley. He's a <laughs> d- documentary editor whose room has been untouched, which is interesting. That's why I thought he lived there. I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. He's way too hot to be a documentary editor that just like oh, does not track at all. Like, that's not real. Also, I would like to point out my favorite IMDb trivia is that the original brother pairing was supposed to be Billy Crudup and Johnny Knoxville. Billy Crudup <laughs> in the Dermot Mulrooney role and Johnny Knoxville in the Luke Wilson role, which makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Totally different movie. It is, although I love Dermot Mulroney and Luke Wilson in this. Oh, They're lo- so dreamy. <laughs> They're so dreamy. I mean, they are. They're That's both because I just want to have a beer with Luke. You know, I want to smoke a giant with him and have a beer. I would be at that bar with him, hanging out. I don't think of them as dreamy because obviously. Oh, I guarantee you, when they show up to the dive bar on Christmas Eve, you are already there. I'm already there <laughs> with uh, hitting on Sarah Jessica Parker completely. I uh, yeah. I for me, my problem with Dermot Mulrooney and Luke Wilson is it's just too much of a similar beat of person. Like I like the, but they are brothers. I understand that, but like Johnny Knoxville as like a fuck up, like quasi Oedipal complex brother that falls for Sarah Jessica Parker. I believe more than Luke Wilson, who feels like Tom Hanks' character in Big. Like he j- legit feels like a <laughs> child trapped in an adult's body. No, that's true. Well, I, may I yeah. jump in here because everybody knows I'm basically a 16 year old boy in a well tailored suit. I think that's part of the charm of the character that. He's a, you know, a man child. Right. And obviously, I guess the Meredith character is supposed to like to mother people. I don't know. I could not like track Meredith's character because as you point out, she becomes a completely different person when she drinks. (laughs) It's true. She has full dissociative identity disorder, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. So basically the first major transgression with the family (laughs) is that she doesn't want to sleep in the same bedroom as Dermot Mulroney. which Which she's a woman. I mean- generously she is a woman in her mid to late 30s i thought that was weird it's weird it's it's just weird it's, it's insanely weird. weird no it's i mean i love I mean, how that Di- was just a strange plot point that they needed to make that was just weird and i love how diane keaton's like what you don't screw or whatever she, oh, she was great yeah, and this, of course, because she refuses to sleep in the same room as her boyfriend, she has to sleep in Rachel McAdams' room, which means Rachel McAdams has to sleep on the couch, which sets a, into action a chain of dark and depraved events that will continue throughout the rest of this film, namely the game of charades later that night. Can we just talk about the charades now? Let's yeah. talk about it. Rachel McAdams causes a scene when it should not be caused. No. Well, first, the bride wore black should never be used in charades, just in general. It's too obscure of a film, and I've seen that film. But uh, this was part of their point, making that we are a liberal arts professor family. Yeah, of they love Truffaut. Of course they've seen all, Truf- all of Truffaut's films, all of them. <laughs> So, of course, the bride wore black is going to be in there. For those- it was before Black Swan. They couldn't write Black Swan. They had to do, and they needed the black so that she could point at the black guy, which she didn't do. 
Right. She didn't. She did she not. Didn't. She, she didn't. She does not. She does not. And then Rachel McAdams like gaslights the entire family mm-hmm. into believing that she has done this. You know, using her brother-in-law as a pawn. It's fully disgusting. Yeah. I feel like the family doesn't go for it, though. I think they kind oh, of. They kind of They do. kind of do. Like he Only says. Luke Wilson doesn't go for it. Yeah, but yeah. He, he's just high. That's why. Yeah, I think there's. I think it's kind of like ambiguous. I feel like they kind of don't even know. Although I think they suspect that Amy is a little bit unhinged in doing this. Right? Does mm. Amy live at the house? She's the one I thought she's actually the one that lives at the house, right? Because she she failed in whatever it was. No, I think she lives in New York. Because remember they said like they got uh, together yes. in New yeah. York. Because that's yeah. like the one. I think she is like in college or something like that, maybe or in grad school or I don't know. She seems like a perennial student. Yeah. Is that what prompts Meredith to go to the inn or it's a bad night of sleep? Yeah, that's what prompts that. And she also calls her sister, played by Claire Danes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can we get into uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and Claire Danes' family dynamics? Because like Sex and the City, her parents are nowhere in the story. Not even in the epilogue. Where are they? What are their plans? (laughs) Are they orphans? I guess their Christmas no, they doesn't talk matter. About it because she makes that famous that thing that the family makes every Christmas. The strata. What? The strata. Yeah, the strata. That looks disgusting, by the way. I'm not I'm not <laughs> trying to be rude to anybody out there who comes from that area of scan I, I think they're Scandinavian <laughs> in some respect, but what the fuck are you people eating on Christmas? That is disgusting. <laughs> It upset me that you could seemingly make it a day and a half ahead. That seems... <laughs> I know, there's too many eggs to in it for yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, but there's eggs and tomatoes. And stuff. It's, just, it's too much. It's like it's gross. I also love that she's making it, and then she kind of confronts Rachel McAdams. She's like, I don't care if you like me or not. And Rachel Adams is like, of course you do. In a way that is so cunty and good. It's yeah. like, and it's no, like, she's like, right. She does that, care. That was like, that's a great moment though. That she goes, of course you do. It's yeah. just such a great moment. No, that, that's when I liked Rachel yeah. McAdams. So Dermot Mulrooney wants to marry Meredith for reasons unknown and has decided to drop this bomb the first time that Meredith meets the family and seemingly has no awareness that this isn't going well and is like hey mom uh can I get grandma's ring which it's like why do you get grandma's ring because mom promised the ring I yes believe. Yeah. yeah the ring was promised to him yeah that's the plot line for the eldest sister. I needed her to scream at Dermot Mulrooney. And, that <laughs> ring was With for mommy. me. I'm the eldest sister. Totally. And Diane Keaton is just straight up like, absolutely not. <laughs> this bitch, I'm sorry. No. And we Wrong sh- girl, not getting the ring. And we should say that sadness sort of permeates this film in a very Bergman way. Yeah. And it's not explained <laughs> until the until the end, but like there are just takes of Diane Keaton looking longingly at a kitchen. And if you don't know where the film is going, you're like, what is happening? <laughs> um, it's not the end though. I think in the second act they reveal that um she has she has cancer and that she's dying. That yeah. she's going to die. This yeah, because because Luke Wilson yeah. and Coach are like smoking weed because that's apparently like a father son holiday activity that they have 
And he basically says... In liberal says, Massachusetts, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Every family does that. Yeah, you go to an empty, snowed-out football field and you smoke weed with your dad. That's what you do. And he basically says, you know, the cancer's back, it's not good. That's all we hear, but we assume that it's fatal. Yes, I will say that I love a high-intelligence male bimbo, <laughs> which Luke Wilson kind of is. Like, he's kind of dumb, yeah. but he's incredibly emotionally intelligent. He's able to read Sarah Jessica Parker very well and is the first of the family to figure out, oh, mom's cancer is back and she's not going to make it, right? Yeah. The parents had decided not to tell the kids. They were going to tell them after the holidays. And then th- they say that in the movie. Right. Right, when she comes back. But um, it doesn't matter. They're always going to remember that Christmas is the one that mom told me she's dying. (laughs) It's so true. Um, You know what we don't have enough of? Christmas movies where mom is dying of cancer. (laughs) We need that genre to be picked up a little bit more, don't you think? You know, everybody wants to make like a lesbian Christmas rom-com now. I think we need a lesbian. My lesbian mom is dying Christmas special. (laughs) Because it captures both. Perfect. Would watch. Well, it's true because it's capturing both holiday movie-going audiences, which is like Oscar-made films and holiday films. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So then Claire Danes arrived, and upon rewatching this, I noticed like how dramatic her fall out of this bus actually it's so is. Funny though, it's it like funny. really. Um, her arms and go she's out. She's doing that fucking pratfall too, man. That is not. There's nobody doing that for her. She does it. And it's really, like, really funny. I'm I'm always surprised when I see someone who I know is a pretty serious actor, even though, you know, she started on a, what would be considered a sitcom, I guess. Um, but when I see a, a, a serious actor do something so fucking funny, I mean, it's, yeah. the comedy timing of that ball is perfect. It is. Right, but in reality, she would have knocked out both of her front teeth, right? Of course. Yeah, or possibly <laughs> die. Yeah, she would be dead. <laughs> and if Billy Crudup was in the Dermot Mul- Mulrooney role, that would have been a little awkward with Claire Danes, seeing that Billy Crudup left his pregnant wife for Claire Danes. <laughs> oh, right, I remember that. Oh. Yikes. Shout outs to Mary Louise Parker, wherever you are. You know I love you, Mary. So- she knows it. I almost said Dylan McDermott. Dermot Mulroosie. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, which brings me to something. I've prepared a little game for you guys. Oh, my God. It's called Dylan McDermott or Dermot Mulroney. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to trade off. <laughs> and Lauren, I'm going to ask the first question to you because I know that Leah will absolutely know the answer. <laughs> so, Lauren, who was breastfed by a lactating sex worker on American Horror Story? I mean, Dylan McDermott. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you watched that season. Well, I definitely know that Dermot Mulrooney was not in American Horror Story. He was in New Girl. Okay, great. <laughs> Leah, who recently starred opposite our girl Kristen Davis in the erotic thriller Deadly Illusions? I think that's Dylan. No, wrong. Damn. Dermot Mulroney. Damn. Chelsea, we watched that film together. I forgot he was in it. <laughs> Okay, Lauren, who is currently playing Christopher Maloney's nemesis on Law & Order Organized Crime? Oh, Dylan McDermott. Correct. Leah, whose mother is the Vagina Monologues playwright <laughs> Eve Ensler? Dylan. <laughs> Dylan McDermott. D- Lauren- Dylan Mulroney. <laughs> Dylan Mulroney. <laughs> I still can't be convinced that they're not the same person. <laughs> okay, Lauren, who had a recurring role on Mike White's HBO series Enlightened? Oh, can I, can I use the answer Dylan Mulroney? 
<laughs> Absolutely not. Okay, fine. Dermot Mulroney? Correct. Yay! <laughs> Leah, who played the dad in The Perks of Being a Wallflower? How long is this quiz? Oh, my God. And I have never saw the movie, so that's sad. And um, Dermot. Uh, no. Dylan. Dylan. Oh, no. You, yeah, no, you were. Dermot. Oh, <laughs> Okay. See, you I, don't even know. I don't even and you're know. doing this quiz with us. Okay, last one. Lauren, who played a cop in David Fincher's Zodiac? Dermot? Correct. Okay. I would have gotten that one. Thanks for playing, guys. That was beautiful. <laughs> that was... <laughs> we should go back a second, which is after being rejected by his mother for the grandmother's engagement ring, he then goes into town, which love a small town jewelry store, and buys a ring. And then his brother <laughs> is like, don't... Do it. Don't yeah, do the it. The deaf brother is telling him not to do it. He's like, I get bad vibes from this chick. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. I know. And it's like at that point when you just give up, like when you just leave or something like. Oh, at that point you have to walk out on your family. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the logic of the film doesn't quite make sense. It's important enough that he introduces her to the family, but his family is not important enough to heed any of their advice. True. But I think we're also meeting him at a weird time in his life because, you know, they're all saying that. You're not the same person. Right. Like you know he's I mean? gotten really corporate. He's gotten very corporate. He's not, you are not being you. They're all basically saying that to him. You know, this is not who you are. This has never been who you are. Why are you doing this? Also, this the story she tells about how they met in, in Hong Kong or Shanghai makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> no. Like a third party's involved, but it's like, who's she? <laughs> yeah, and why didn't he go to that monastery? That's weird to me. So that brings us to the ultimate scene in Family Stone, Christmas Eve dinner. Well, this one I think that Sarah is way off, Sarah's character. I mean, I... I, why does she feel that she has to make this point so strongly? <laughs> Again, I know <laughs> that, but you don't really wish all of your kids were gay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, she's also like, we've isolated a gene. Like, <laughs> make, yeah. It's like, are you really talking about this? <laughs> this is craziness. Again, this is my point is she is seemingly a card carrying Fox News watcher, except they don't want her to be a Republican. Right. So they're going to take that right up to the line where she's like, well, of course you don't wish for, for a gay child, right? <laughs> and this begins because Diane Keaton is like, I wished all of my sons were gay, which is like, correct. Yeah, that's a normal thought to have. Yeah, I think a lot of women have that thought. But yeah, SJP cannot wrap her head around this idea. And I shouldn't say SJP, I should say Meredith. Yeah. And she because certainly SJP can wrap her head around the idea that she wishes her son was gay. I'm sure she'd love to have a gay son. <laughs> and then she tries to throw her sister under the bus, which again, what is the sister supposed to do? Yeah. Can you imagine though if Coach yelled at you like that? Coach when he's like fists on the table. He's like, enough. <laughs> Hits the table, screams enough. Okay, Are they Jewish, by the way. No, they're celebrating, no, they're Christmas. celebrating Christmas. Here's the other <laughs> thing. I was getting like real Prince Harry energy off of Dermot Mulrooney in the same way that like when I watched the Oprah interview with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, the fact that like seemingly Harry took no agency and did not prepare his future wife for the onslaught of shit she was going to get. I was like, I'm not on your team. And I feel this way about Dermot Mulrooney. He doesn't step in at all to be like, oh, honey, or come on, or this or that. Yeah, he's like, well, what exactly were you trying to say <laughs> or whatever? 
he says yeah. in that scene. He says, why don't you stop saying, why don't you stop saying what you weren't saying and say what you want to say or something like <laughs> oh, that. Oh, yeah. Why don't you, yeah. what exactly that's were you not trying right. to yeah. say? That's Because he kept saying, that's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. So he said, why don't you say what you mean now? That is a sentence from the son of two professors. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to fight with a boyfriend like that. No, no. <laughs> So then, like, SJP leaves, and Thad is, like, in his feelings about this, which I don't think totally checks out. Like, as a gay man in his 30s, he'd just be like, well, she's a fucking bitch. Fuck her. Like, he wouldn't be, like, crying at dinner, right? Mm. Would he be crying at dinner? No. But he's facing enough adversity in his life. I don't think Thad was crying, though. Was he crying? I think it was more about... he was crying at his mother being like, I, you're all I've ever wanted. Well, she said that though because she sensed that he was a he was like in a dark place. Look, mm. they're trying to get a baby. Yeah. It's really high pressure. Yeah. Again, it's late Bush era. Things are very stressful. We don't even know Barack Obama is running for president yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so it's not even it's like literally right after he got elected for the second time. So it's that yeah. kind of you know, stuff going on. Yeah. So she gets in the car and in a real me move, I mean, I did relate to this, immediately crashes the car into a tree. <laughs> no, I love it. Not, <laughs> not her car either. Not her car. Not her car. Not her car. And the family is, is like, fuck this bitch, let her freeze to death except Luke Wilson. <laughs> Who's like, I'll take you to the local dive bar. Where we meet Leah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know Leah's going to be sitting at the bar. But can I say that this particular scene, which I really enjoy... Um, it was the first time I've ever heard anybody use the phrase freak flag. You got huh. a freak flag, you just don't fly it. He says really? to her, and I've always remembered that line because I'd yeah. never heard that before. Let your until freak I saw flag that fly? Until I saw that movie, yeah. <laughs> I was like, how have I never heard? This sounds like an expression that I should know. And, and everybody has the same reaction that you just had. It's like, I never heard it before. I just, and I always remember it. Well, I'm glad that the family stone brought that expression the into your life. freak flag into my life. <laughs> So, Chelsea, do you want to get into the, you know, again, we use this phrase too much, but Isabel Huppert film that could happen where, where Meredith goes to the bar and becomes a different person when she drinks? She becomes, so she has one drink and becomes a different person and then is a different person for the entire rest of the movie. And suddenly she's like very fun. She's charismatic. Her hair is down. She decides to ruin. Yeah, she decides to ruin Rachel McAdams' life as payback when she sees Rachel McAdams' ex. Exactly. She gets drunk. She gets drunk on beer, which again, very me move. (laughs) Two beers and I'm flying, guys. And then she wakes up the next day. Well, she weighs 80 pounds, so two beers is probably going to do it to her. True. And then she wakes up the next day in Luke Wilson's bed, the wrong brother. Ooh, the plot thickens. And Coach Coach catches her. It would have been worse if she'd have woken up in bed with both the brothers, though. I think that would have been a way more interesting twist. Yeah, or if she wakes up in the bed with... um, with Thad and um, it, what was his name? Patrick. Chelsea. This was also the era of the of the porn parody. Is there a Family Stone porn parody? The Family Bone. bone. It the has to be bone. the Family Bone. Come on, you know it's the Family Bone. Well, I mean, there definitely is potential for some sort of uh, right. porn parody for sure she also doesn't just get drunk from beer she gets blackout drunk because she cannot distinguish or remember if she fucked luke wilson or not And she's also smoking weed remember that that's uh, i mean she's not just drinking she's also smoking weed um, oh, sometimes people who don't smoke a lot of weed that the combination will 
Beth do it to you. And something tells me that Meredith, like Carrie Bradshaw, would also say she was smoking a doobie. Totally. Oh, what is it? She says marijuana, right? And I'm movie, sure she go like she says it really softly. Right. I can't tell if that's Family Stone or Sex in the City. No, My that's Family so Stone. She goes, crossed. you know what would make this night perfect? And that bar is where it happens. Where, yeah. And then she says like. Also, Claire Danes, we skipped over the fact that Claire Danes and Dermot Mulroney are searching for Sarah Jessica Parker. And falling in love. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> falling right. in love over the course of t- 10 hours. Uh, so I went back to look who wrote and directed this film because I was like, this has to be an update on some like 1930s screwball comedy because only in the 1930s was it okay for people to fall madly in love and want to marry each other in the course of an evening. Totally. Absolutely. So he's like, hey, Claire Danes, can you try on um, grandma's ring for size? <laughs> no. I just want to see it on a hand or no, something. No, the bobo ring I got at the uh, jewelry store oh, yesterday. Oh, okay, okay. And Claire Because Dane- I need to see it on a finger? And Claire Danes is very taken with it, right? Like, she's like, this is the best ring I've ever seen. Sure. And then- uh, she's something. I think. Well, and then Sarah Jessica Parker sees it and it's like, that's it, which I think that's supposed to draw a contrast between their reactions to this ring, right? Mm. Well, she equally is not happy that she's going to get proposed to, which reminded me, I'm like, what other Christmas-based film involves a, a proposal gone wrong? And it's Bed of Roses with Christian Slater and Mary Stuart Masterson, where Mary Stuart Masterson is another workaholic. Yeah. How about this, guys? Don't propose to your person in front of their family, especially if they're meeting the family for the first time. At Christmas. Yes. Yeah. Seems reasonable enough. Cinematically. If it Save does- that for July 4th, guys. <laughs> well, all- Save that for July 4th. It also reminds me of my best friend's wedding, also starring Dermot Mulroney, where there's a- Wasn't that where there's a Dylan? Bi- no, it's Dermot oh, no, Mulroney. No, that was- <laughs> There's a bit when Julia Roberts gets the ring stuck on her finger, Cameron Diaz's ring. Oh my God, it's been so long since I've seen that movie. Yes. I got deja vu. They just stole it. That's what you're saying. You're just saying they stole it. I'm saying when Dermot Mulroney got the (laughs) script, he was probably like, this seems familiar. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think he read the script. (laughs) He had his people do it. Yeah. He read the coverage. My manager said, this is a great script, so I'm going to do it. (laughs) So then it comes out. This is a real hijinks ensue montage because then it comes out that Sarah Jessica Parker revealed that she's like, I slept with his brother. Yes. Uh, She says that to her sister, even though they didn't. But but she says that to her sister. No, she says it like in front of the whole family. No, she says that to her sister in the bathroom when the whole ring thing is happening. She's like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Remember, because the sisters have a, con- a little conversation about that. And um, there's, there's something else. There, there's something else they mention. I just remember some family history thing. Yeah, fuck. I there, forget. But she doesn't say it to the whole family. And it's only the family. The only reason that it figures it out is because, isn't it? It's Craig T. Nelson that walks in accidentally. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah it's through a series of clues that. Um, Again, hijinks ensue. <laughs> hijinks ensue. Thankfully. And a shark's tooth jacket. 
Oh, I also love how we've fully chosen not to acknowledge the most depressing montage to Judy Garland's Have oh, Yourself a yeah, Merry yeah. Little Christmas, which involves Diane Keaton's like mastectomy scar yeah. being being revealed because like as if that song wasn't depressing enough to begin with. Absolutely. Moving uh, on. Yes. But Luke Wilson. Glad do- we mentioned it though. It's important. <laughs> But Luke Wilson does the thing that they don't allow characters in movies to do, but people you would definitely do in real life, which is when your brother is trying to beat the living shit out of you on Christmas Day, he finally gets out. We didn't sleep together. Oh, yeah. Although we should say we didn't fuck. We slept in the same bed. Well, also, like, Sarah Jessica Parker, excuse me, Meredith, like, slaps Luke Wilson as if he's raped her or something. You know, it's pretty fucked up. But I don't think he, but I think he says, you don't love her, man. Yeah, why do you care? Yeah. You don't even why love you, her. Why do you, why do you care? And you, don't even, get, you don't love her, man. You don't love her. And he's literally the first person to say the right thing. Like, the whole family has been saying bullshit about it. Yeah. But he gets right to the point. Drunk, stoner, documentary, edit, editor, This guy. is what I'm saying. Yeah. High emotional intelligence himbo. <laughs> I'm really into it. <laughs> We gotta get you one of like, those. Like yeah. a Smith Jared. We gotta get you one a of Smith those. Jared. We also have not mentioned, although I did reference Luke Wilson as I called edible complex, but he's like, doesn't she remind you of our third grade teacher? That's why he is attracted to her. Oh, yeah, you're oh right. My I forgot God, about you're that. You're right. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. Both of us are looking at each other right now, Chelly, going, what? I'm you're the right. bi- I'm the bitch who saw this for the first time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so at some point, Claire Danes runs out. Dermot Mulrooney figures out that he's in love with Claire Danes, so he's got to run to the to the bus. Yes, I'm not sure what Sarah Jessica Parker's doing. She did get presents for everyone. Oh, this is the this yeah, is that's the, where they get the pregnant. I yeah. think that's the last scene. No, this is the no the Strata where she goes oh, and finally oh makes yes, I ruined Christmas. How can you forget the Strata? <laughs> Yes, I fucked your brother, except not really. But the one thing that can salvage this is this Scandinavian breakfast dish no one asked for. Scandinavian Christmas shit that you might as well eat yellow snow in any part of Scandinavia than this shit that she is putting together that ends up on her tits. Yes, because it does end up on her it's tits. literally on her tits. Yes, because they have one of those old school swinging kitchen doors. What's that song called, Leah? What song? Seems like something you would know. What is that song? Is that from the Nutcracker? Are you kidding? The dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies? from the Nutcracker. I knew you would know. The dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies. I knew you would know what I was talking about. That's my whole point. So, wait, sorry, I'm wrong. Sorry, that's not that's the Russian dance. Um, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The sugar film fairies. Is... Okay, so then what's the... No, it's the Russian dance. Yeah, that's the Russian dance. So I guess bad impression, sleeping with siblings that you were that you were not in a relationship with. Casual racism, all is forgiven <laughs> if you drop breakfast together on the kitchen ca- floor. The phrase casual racism is so bizarre in this day and age. Overt homophobia know. must Overt also homophobia, be Overt homophobia, casual racism, you know. I mean, that is really what, what Meredith has brought into the equation thus far, besides this lovely strata. Uh, <laughs> 
Which is now on the ground. But while no one gets to eat her delicious meal, she does kind of she does kind of knock it out of the park with her Christmas gift, right? Yeah, the Christmas gift is fantastic. Should I just mention this dog? <laughs> Why don't we just we mention that um, Chelsea has a dog named Francis Quito who is obsessed with me. And he's being very obsessive with me right now. And he's ruining all of our takes. But whatever. Anyway, all. if you hear panting, don't be disturbed. jumping. It's a it's an English bulldog who's obsessed with me, as all living creatures must be. <laughs> That's right. But I thought that the gift goes slightly wrong because she thinks that Diane Keaton is pregnant with Dermot Mulroney, and it's not. It's the eldest sister, which I guess is why we had no, to have Rachel her. No, it's Rachel McAdams. Oh, it's Rachel yeah, McAdams. Says, That's you, she, kid. Yeah, you and yeah. me. Then why the fuck do we have this older sister? <laughs> I, I'm telling you once again. One, it's because she needs to spend the entire movie wondering whether or not her husband's going to show up. And two, they needed that daughter. They needed her daughter to, to be like Sarah Claire Jessica James. Parker's shoes, to, you know, all that stuff. Oh, now he's barking. Yeah, you do need a deus machina child to be like, oh, Claire Danes went to the bus station. Wouldn't it be interesting if the movie was actually about her? So it'd be like one of those killer children movies. Wait, about yeah. who? <laughs> Diane the, the, Keaton or the, the, that the forgotten little sister. girl oh, <laughs> that's in that movie? You know, so it'd be like a killer child, one of those, you know, child killing. But- She's giving me the vibes of the little girl in Hope Floats. Oh, yeah, I was going to say <laughs> the Hope Floats girl. I thought I thought you were going to say Orphan. Like, actually, she's an adult. <laughs> the Hope Floats girl is like as bad as Orphan or the Bad Seed, if you look at it from a different. That's what I mean, wouldn't it be great if they made like a Bad Seed movie? <laughs> It's instead of the family stone, you start, it starts out as a family stone, but then it's all bad seed. And that little girl kills everybody on Christmas. Would yeah. love it. I mean, this ends, this I movie, this movie actually. So much better than the ending, right? Yeah, this movie actually ends With on With King a, Gus and uh, everybody coming together and, uh, and, and Diane Keaton's not here anymore. But here we are still being the family stone. Okay, so yes. we should say. Let's, this movie actually ends on a much more depressing note. So it does end on a high note, and it is one of the few films where it's like, you could just end right here, because guess what? I forgot that Diane Keaton had terminal cancer, because I'm like, great, Luke Wilson and Sarah Jessica Parker look like they're going to get together. Claire Danes and Dermot Mulroney are going to give it a shot. And then we cut to a year later, and I'm like, an epilogue? Okay, okay. The house is filled with people. I see Rachel McAdams is with the EMT guy. You see, you can tell the passage of time, because Thaddeus and his partner have a child the pregnant one that has no storyline now has a child <laughs> they're lighting the tree you see luke wilson and sarah jessica parker claire danes and dermot mulrooney still none of their parents but okay and no diane keaton and so you're left with <laughs> i think it's a nod to Truffaut. i think they started out <laughs> i think they started out with their nod to uh, meet me in St. Louis and ended with their nod to Truffaut, who was also, as we know, mentioned in the movie. So that's all. I it's think just, that's what that was. It, you're right, Lauren. This was not necessary <laughs> because this is what makes it like, I remember when the credits hit, when I was saw Stop it in the theater. Stop being so American. <laughs> Stop. You know, American movies don't always have to have a happy end. Well, yes, this one doesn't. Like, I remember... This one really doesn't. I remember seeing it for the first time in the theater, and it's like the tone when you walk out of the theater. It's like, it's sad. Like, there's nothing... And then they try and bring it back with, like, a fun holiday song. It's like, there was nothing fun about this. There's nothing fun about this holiday. It 
It's the first Christmas without mom. Yeah. Anybody who's ever lost their mother knows that the first Christmas without mom is not fun. It's just not fun. You know, if you've recently lost a parent, maybe don't watch this film. I mean, the only real silver lining of this is Gus. Okay. Again, I just want to mention that the daughter who has no plot whatsoever also has a baby. So there might be two. We don't care about that baby, though. We care about Gus. Gus is much cuter than the we other We care baby. about King Gus. But, yes. By the way, is he August or is he Augustine? Augustus. Anyway, we thought that we would end on some other honorable mention holiday films. Oh, love that. We're each going to pick one. <laughs> These are... At least mine is an off-kilter choice, which would be the 1987 adaptation of Brett Easton Ellis' novel, Less Than Zero, which is set at Christmas. Look, <laughs> is it a good... It is, I mean, it is. You're right. It is a holiday movie. <laughs> it's a holiday movie. Look, is it a good movie? No. <laughs> Does it look incredible? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Do we get to see what's-his-face blowing some dude for drugs at a Palm Springs house party? Yes. Yes. We do. You are referring to Robert Downey Jr., who was dating Sarah Jessica Parker at the time when he made the film. She's like, he's like, guess what I got to do on set today, honey? (laughs) Uh, So that's my pick, guys. My God. Beautiful. Well, you know, my favorite. It's Die Hard. Die Hard is my favorite a, a Christmas movie. A controversial choice because some people do not consider Die Hard a Christmas film. Well, those people can go fuck themselves because <laughs> Die Hard is a Christmas movie and there's all sorts of Christmas elements involved, including Christmas music throughout the entire fucking movie as, you know, yippee kaye motherfuckers happening. There's also, oh, the weather outside is frightful. So it is a fucking Christmas. <laughs> Sorry, you're making me realize for years and years here, they did something called Point Break Live. <laughs> no, they did not. Yes, and I'm realizing- They did not. Yes, I'm realizing I want Die Hard Live, but with Leah playing all the parts. <laughs> I'm in. Um, Chelsea? Well, okay, my favorite Christmas movie is actually a Christmas movie, for one thing. It's going to be Love Actually, isn't it? You went actually, (laughs) so I know it's Love Actually. It is actually Love Actually. I will have you know. I mean, it's the best holiday movie, and my friend Laura has a really great point, which is that the tagline for Love Actually was very ambitious. It was the ultimate romantic comedy, but, like, that is actually completely fucking accurate. Like, it (laughs) is the ultimate romantic comedy. They were not overselling. Yes, and unlike Family Stone, there are moments of sadness in the film but they end on a high note. Exactly. And also, like, not to get Stefan-esque again, but it really does have everything. I mean, Christmas-themed erotic photography exhibits, <laughs> Emma Thompson crying to Joni Mitchell, <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton as George Bush Jr., but, like, also a but sex offender. Can we give a shout-out to whoever wrote this meme? Because it's my right now my favorite meme, that if you watch... Die Hard after you watch Love Actually, Alan Rickman gets his comeuppance for giving it to for fucking up with Emma Thompson. That's genius. Yeah. I love the meme that was circulating on the internet last year that was like Kira Knightley and the kid who plays Liam Neeson's son only have a five year <laughs> age difference. Which is so fucking harrowing. Kira Knightley is like seventeen or eighteen when she made that film. Something really Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Nuts. A little- 
Anyway, Freaky. so everyone watch watch all of our picks if you haven't already. We're gonna go and eat some wings. wings. We're gonna wings. eat wings now. Chicken wings. Oh my god, chicken Leah, wings. Shut Leah, the shut the up. fuck up so I can wrap this up. <laughs> Thank you to our guest, Leah Delaria. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Let's eat wings. <laughs> Okay, so before we end this episode, we wanted to play a very special call that we got on the hotline this week. One for the record books. Hello, this is Susan Sharon calling. And I just wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you for all of the amazing support and kindness and incredibly fun reaction. Um, Susan Sharon's been working very hard, and I said to myself, Susan Sharon, call every outfit and let them know that you're grateful that they saw how much progress you've made in therapy around the issues of forgiveness. Um, Anyway, this is Molly Price, and I just wanted to call and say thank you. It was a blast to get back into Susan Sharon's skin, and thank you for all of the support and the reaction. Um, I'm glad I moisturized. Okay. It's over. I forgive you. The end. Lauren, where were you when you realized that Susan Sharon called into the hotline? Also, I love how she introduces herself as her character, not as her actual name. Okay, so I was listening to the voicemails back and this one came on and I was like, oh, that's so cute. One of the callers is doing a very good Susan (laughs) Sharon impression. And then I was like, wait, no. I mean, what a legend. Well, this presupposes that she listened to the podcast or and or saw our Instagram, then went either to the show notes or in our Instagram bio to find the hotline no, number. No, no. I think like someone that knows her listens to the podcast and was like, hey, like, just so you know, they said this about you. You should call in. Like, that's just like a normal thing. That's what I'm guessing. But if anyone knows how Susan Sharon came to call into the podcast... Please let us know. So, yeah, I mean, you got to end on a high note, and that was quite the high note. So happy holidays, guys. Also, the next episode may be a little delayed because we have lives. We have families. We might not want to podcast about and just like that on Christmas Eve. Or more accurately, our families (laughs) might strongly discourage us from recording a rewatch episode on Christmas Eve and or Christmas Day. Yeah, so there might be a bit of a delay as we're trying not to be monsters. But we love you guys. We hope you have a great holiday and we'll see you soon. See you next time. Ho, ho, ho. Bye. (laughs) 